What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks. I do have a media recommendation. I love Lord of the Rings. Superheroes, movies, a little jack-of-all-trades, I guess. So what makes me a geek? What is going on, my fellow geeks, and welcome back to Raving Geeks, the weekly pop culture podcast from Central Michigan Life, where we discuss all things geek culture, which is like high culture, but better. If this is your first time joining us, make sure you follow the CM Life Instagram and Twitter pages for updates on the podcast, and look for us wherever you find your podcasts, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our website at www.cm-life.com. My name is Brendan Valentine. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And I'd like to thank you all for joining me and my fellow co-hosts this week, who will introduce themselves in a second with our question of the week. So, our question of the week uh, came in from uh, a fan, um, and I, I will read it word for word here. So, uh, let's say you have a bare wall that needs to be decorated. Uh, Fathead will make anything that you want. What character would you pick from a book, comic, or movie, and why to decorate that wall? So, one character to decorate the entire wall. So, I have two answers. One is not a real answer. The other is kind of a real answer my first one is martian manhunter but since he can shapeshift into anyone and anything then that kind of like is a cop-out and i can just you know get anything of anyone um and that's probably what i would go for if that if that didn't you know break one of the genie's rules that is granting me this wish um but other than that i'm trying to think like i tried to think of um like characters that i think have like diverse like costumes and things that i can like have that have like some really cool like in comic or in movie shots and i gotta go with spider-man just because after playing the spider-man uh, playstation games i actually haven't played them i've watched people play them there's tons of different costumes to use and there's like a bunch of really iconic um comic panels that you could like base uh stuff off of um and you got you got the like mid-air like pose that looks really cool and like i know it's kind of a a cliche but i have to go with spider-man just because of the diversity in costume and just how cool spider-man poses all right uh my name is isaac hunter um i love spider-man that's a brilliant idea um i kind of just like pictured that like one of like that famous spider-man like comic cover where he's like holding the crook and like flying through and there's like a broken wall um when you first said uh marshall manhunter for some, I love Martian Manhunter, but for some reason, I pictured Marvin Martian from Looney Tunes, <laughs> and I was I like, I was like, wow, what an odd choice. I was like, this guy though. I mean, I'm he kind of can. They all can. Um, those are some good choices. Um, I also kind of thought in the range of uh, almost like a shape shifting type thing because I would want Jake the dog from Adventure Time. But I would want him like, like with his arms like super stretched and like overlapping, and maybe his legs, and he's just kind of like what, having a fun time. Only because I think it'd be like horrendous to have to like actually physically make that cardboard <laughs> big head thing, um, especially if it's all one piece of giant cardboard. But I think that looks so cool on a wall where it's like going, and if if even if it can go onto the other walls, I just think that looks super cool. Um, yeah. Uh, hey everyone, I'm Hope Gutterow. Um I'm gonna stick with uh, MCU theme here. 
not go with Spider-Man. I do love him. But you also said the iconic Spider-Man pose. And after just watching Black Widow, I immediately thought of Yelena going like, what's with this pose? You're such a poser. I like doing it. And I was like, wait, Spider-Man kind of does that pose too. I don't know. Um, he doesn't do the hair flip though. Cause you know, Peter Parker doesn't have long hair to flip. It's the spider pose. <laughs> um, true, because she is Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am going with Bucky. And I'm going with the 40s Bucky, where we have the slightly tilted uh, hat that he has for being sergeant in the war. Um, and possibly even the one where he uh, is the sniper and saves Captain America's ass from getting shot. Um, or anything to do with from Falcon and Winter Soldier, like with his new uniform, I guess, so is what to call it. Um, Bucky's like, going through an emo phase. Yeah, but like it just always it matches with his arm. <laughs> it matches the arm and everything. Like it just looks aesthetically pleasing. So those are my choices. Nice. Perfect. So thank you all very much. Uh, now to get things started, we'd like to share some quick geek news per usual. So either you got anything juicy for us this week? Um, I'll start while we're on the topic of the MCU. So um, uh, about a week and a half ago, and by the time this releases, it'll be about like two and a half weeks. Um, Marvel released the story of Marvel Studios, the making of the cinematic universe, which is uh, it's a book. Um, and it kind of is just like a large compendium of a bunch of different stuff like obviously information with making the movies but it's got like quotes and sections from actors and directors and um apparently there's a large uh heartfelt afterword at the end of the book written by robert downey jr um and he wrote this i think in 2018 is what it said but basically it's about like you know like the end of the mcu like his like end of his stint in the mcu and he kind of just talks about the dream project that it was, it coming together. Um, basically, the moment that like John Favreau was sitting by him with uh, the Pepper Potts actress, whose name escapes me, um, Gwyneth, Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. And then like John Favreau's like, this is gonna work. And it's just kind of like really cool. Um, and apparently, it's like a thousand words. So I've only read some of the highlights, but he kind of talks about when the other actors come in and like how. Like for Avengers, it really started to become something special. And then like as it gets bigger, he is even like talking about how like the next, like I guess like the next guard, if they're the old guard, like the new guard coming in, you know, like Spider-Man and uh and Paul Rudd, stuff like that. And I just think it's really cool. Um so anyone and I mean we're all fans of Robert Downey Jr., so worth the read. Yeah. Oh. Uh okay. Yeah, I'll go next instead of last for once. Um, so keeping on the Marvel's track, um, Entertainment Weekly has actually announced that, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is not a fan of the Eternals, um, to quote what they wrote, um, Eternals bypasses Thor, the dark world as lowest rated MCU movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so just for the record, Eternals has not come out yet. Uh, so this is all just critics being critics. Um, and we all know Rotten Tomatoes typically isn't the best place to look for movies because there is a lot of times that like they'll have a really low score on Rotten Tomatoes, but then the audiences actually love it. So take it with a grain of salt and just know that Rotten Tomatoes 
sometimes is really critical of anything that comes out. On a better note, for fans of Legally Blonde, which the last movie came out in 2002, there's going to be a third Legally Blonde. And it is being written by Mindy Kaling and Dan Gore. Uh, Mindy, who, Mindy Project. Um, the Office. She, yeah, the, the Office. office. Um, couldn't remember if it was The Office or Parks and Rec. Um, but she and Reese Witherspoon previously worked together in A Wrinkle in Time. Um, so Reese is like very um, excited to work with her and like very confident in her abilities. Um, and so also besides just starring in the film, Reese Witherspoon would also be producing it um, with her production company, Hello Sunshine. Um, so the plot is still like unknown because it's still being, script is still being written. Um, but so far, Jennifer Coolidge, who was Paulette, um, is coming back as well as Reese Witherspoon. They're assuming Emmett is coming back because obviously they're married. Um, so Luke Wilson will have to take a break from Stargirl to go film Legally Blonde 3. And he's actually said he would love to go and like film another Legally Blonde. So um, I forgot time... that that was Luke Wilson. <laughs> I love him. He's such a good actor. He is. I love him. Um, I will say, unfortunately, the original Bowser is not going to be in the movie. He passed away in 2016, I think. Um, maybe it was 2018. I don't remember which, but it was one of those. Um, but I mean, it's Elle Woods, of course. She's going to have a dog of some sort, whether it's Bowser Jr. or um, anything else, because I think Illegally Blondes with an S at the end, um, with the two British twins from Sweet, uh, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Uh, I think they both got chihuahuas that were like Bowser's nephews or something like that, or like related to Bowser somehow. Um, but so to quote from uh, Mindy uh, Kaling is that Elle Woods is such an iconic character and so loved. Ordinarily, I think I would not find that really fun to do, but because, because of the expectations that are set. But because we haven't seen the character in 18 years, I was excited. We know what Elle was like when she was 21 and 22 years old, but what about when she's 42? That character is so innocent and girly. What is she like when she's dealing with adult problems and is an adult woman? She's not a little girl anymore. Um, and Reese Witherspoon has said that it's gonna be so much fun, so full of fashion, so full of awesome feminist ideas. It'll be global, it will have animals and it will have returning cast members. They just need to film it first. <laughs> um, so original <clears throat> release date, was going to be in May of next year, but they haven't started filming yet. So that's likely gonna be pushed. But I'm assuming if they were shooting for May of 2022, that they're gonna try and keep it within the 2022 year, hopefully, but it'll depend on when they can start filming, so. Well, all I have to say is that if Elle Woods doesn't become a Supreme Court justice by the end of that film, then I will be upset. That's my prediction right now. Elwoods for, for the Supreme Court. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess that just leaves me. Um, and I also have an MCU update. We got a second trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, for some reason, uh, they're calling it Uncharted. But um, yeah. 
no. So the trailer for the Uncharted movie, which is a video game uh, series, uh, has um, released uh, with Tom Holland playing. Oh, geez, am I Nathan Drake? Nathan Drake. There you Nathan go. Nathan Drake. Yeah. No, I was like, what? I knew the last name was Drake. I'm like, no way. I'm not forgetting the name. So uh, playing Nathan Drake. Um, the the non-gamer really cool. actually remembers the name of a game character. What? It's been a while since I played Uncharted, and I don't own the game. I've only played it at friends' houses. <laughs> um uh-huh. excuses yeah excuses when i haven't fully played the game but um yeah so the trailer looks really good uh lots of big names in the movie um it's still relatively recent highly recommend if you haven't gone and uh, checked it out going to check it out um also a couple of updates um i've let a few things fly under the rug um and that's my bad but a couple of updates on all the star wars series so the uh, next upcoming Star Wars series is the Book of Boba Fett, starting on uh, December 29th of this year. So it will it won't be till the very end, but it will be coming out this year, barring any major delays. Um, production on the Mandalorian has season three has also uh, been going on since late September. Um, so we have that to look forward to. And then there's been a couple of casting updates for um, both the Kenobi series and the Ahsoka series with Rosario Dawson confirming that Hayden Christensen will be making an appearance in the Woo! Ahsoka series, um, which I'm really excited for. The fact that they're casting Hayden Christensen makes me think there's going to be flashbacks as he's also in the Kenobi series. There's probably going to either be flashbacks to the Clone Wars um, or there's going to be like some... Not maybe not Force Ghost, but like they, there's a reason they need Hayden Christensen and not just Hayden Christensen's voice in the Star yeah, Wars in like, the Vader suit or um, anything like that. Maybe like mental like images almost. Yeah, maybe not, uh, not like dream sequences, but you know, like a Force connection. Force, force yeah. projections. Yeah, that'd be pretty I, sick. I'm really excited for that. Um, like so, there's. I mean, I can always. I can. What's it called? uh speculate for days on what's going to happen in the kenobi series but um yeah they've they've got um i can't find it now but they have updated um some casting things and uh what is his name i just clicked on it oh well but anyway lots of star wars updates um and yeah uh, oh this is technically um level up chips is territory but also we've gotten a lot of updates for uh pokemon brilliant diamond and uh um shining pearl sorry i uh, there's lots of adjectives and pokemon legends arceus uh with uh, the announcement of a hisuian uh zora yeah. and zoroark and i'm super excited for pokemon legends arceus i really want to play breath of the wild but with pokemon um and they're, they're keeping it under wraps, the idea of, like, legendary Pokemon, but, like, it's called Pokemon Legends Arceus. Like, the odds that you don't at least see Arceus and go up to the top of Mount Coronet, pretty low. Um, I will I will let um, Mike and them, if they want to talk about it, talk about it more. But I just need to keep everyone updated there. So, moving on to our main discussion of the evening. Um, we have another piece of news. Uh, as of the day of this being recorded, uh, Disney has released the um, Lightyear trailer, teaser trailer, for the film, not about the toy that we all know and love from Toy Story, but about the uh, character that that toy is based on from the movie within Toy Story. So basically what happens in the trailer is we see a lot of shots of some distant planet. It doesn't look like Earth, it could be, but if it is like Earth, it's like, 
post-dramatic climate change earth. Um, and then a lot of like uh, just general like spacesuit, space adventure shots that look like they it's a pretty cool animation style. Um, and we also kind of, we don't get to see him, but we get like some illusions to Zerg, who I'm very excited to see fleshed out yeah. as an actual villain, um, which I'm like, instead of just the toy version, um, I also want to see with this animation style what Zerg looks like, because the toy looks kind of silly, but they have to make him look at least a little menacing. Yeah, and I mean, and movie. The, the real question is, and this is possible spoiler territory um, on Toy Story 2 and also if I'm right, but if they continue that route in Toy Story 2 where Zerg is Buzz's father. Father, yeah. <laughs> I will be so excited. I um, wonder if they're going to pull any like Star Wars spoofs, because that's what that was based off of, was yeah. the luke i am your father whole thing and i'm Buzz, like yeah, i wonder I'm... no i'm gonna exactly. play catch with my dad <laughs> dad oh that'd be like that's definitely something they could do and i wonder if like they'll make zerg more of like an anti-hero like oh he's my dad there's a bigger threat to stop together um and that could be pretty cool so yeah i think that happens and we get chris evans's dad to play to voice his dad what if we get tim allen to play zerg oh I love that. Oh, that'd be so sick. <laughs> oh, Tim Allen is Zerg. Hmm. I wonder, Tim Allen must like somehow play some kind of role. Like, or my guess is maybe like at the end, there will be a commercial for like the toy of Buzz Lightyear. And then they're like, press the buttons. And then it's like his voice. Yeah, I was I was wondering, I was thinking there might be like an end credit scene. It is Disney. I know it, this might be like dumb, but like Wreck-It Ralph had one. So like Pixar could throw in an end credit scene. Um, okay, Wreck-It Ralph was a freaking Rickroll. Come on. Yeah, but but I don't know. They still had like an end credit scene. So like it's not like unprecedented that they, that it's, no, it's in there. But they got to get Tim Allen in as is Santa Claus. That's it. Just have just like, Santa Claus introducing the Buzz Lightyear toy. <laughs> or just maybe Santa goes to space. Um, space Santa. I'll pay for that. For those children yeah. on other planets, I mean, come Christmas time, the North Pole, he's going to be making, you know, if not only colonization on other planets, Santa's going to have to get to those other planets as well. Good point. Um, but anyway, with the with the end credit scene, I would I would love to see like the a trailer for the Lightyear movie, and then you know maybe like young Andy being like, "Oh my gosh, we have to go see that!" Like mm. that would be really funny. Like I know like nothing really related to the actual movie, but I thought that would be that would be entertaining and fun, and I would really hope for that. I don't know if that's the okay. direction or if they're what kind of cameos they're gonna expose to the the original star, uh, Toy Story film. I think that'd be really cool. The one thing from the trailer that I was like disappointed we didn't get to hear more of was Chris Evans voicing Buzz Lightyear. We only get kind of half yeah. a line. Like the, the, at and. the very end, they're like, yeah, to infinity. And then he goes, and? And like, that's all we hear. I want to hear Chris Evans be Buzz Lightyear a little more. Um, but and, and they're holding their cards close to their chest because they know if they reveal too much now, then, but whatever. I still wanted to hear a little bit more um, uh, of his voice acting, but we, you know, uh, all in good time. But um, the one thing that we thought was really interesting uh, beyond, you know, just the film itself 
is the way that Pixar presented it, saying that, you know, this is a story that we've wanted to tell and we've always known kind of existed ever since we made Toy Story because there is this backstory and this movie uh, within the Toy Story universe that, you know, creates Buzz Lightyear. Um, and then we're like, oh, that's not the first time this has happened where there have been stories within stories. Um, so we just kind of wanted to to talk about those, those stories within stories, whether it's in TV shows, books, films, um, things like that. I know, Isaac, you had mentioned that there's another Toy Story universe adjacent um, story within a story that you'd like to see as a sequel to Lightyear. Yes. Um, I'm just saying that if, if we're getting the story about the TV show that Buzz Lightyear is based on, then why don't we already, you know, cash out on those, uh, on the already made um, Woody's Roundup TV show featured in Toy Story 2. Again, fantastic Toy Story movie. Um, which is about, you know, but I mean, not Buzz, Woody and Jesse and Bullseye and the Prospector. And they only had one episode, but I just think that I would totally see that movie. I, th- I think they could, they could feasibly make it as a Disney Plus show. Like, would you like make it like 60s, probably like cowboyish, like uh, John Wayne, like film type broken up into like an animated show for kids, similar to the way they did like Doug Days. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, we I feel more like westerns. We do need more westerns, but like modernized westerns that, mm-hmm. like, aren't just about like shooting the bad guy, but a little more about you know exploring the country and and um, you know making your own life in a in, un, in unfamiliar territory. They could combine the two and have a space western. Ooh, like cowboys versus aliens. <laughs> yes, but not as cringy as cowboys versus aliens. Yeah. um i mean like you, you could oh my gosh imagine in the toy story universe a toy like a in-universe crossover between the Lightyear film and woody's roundup because as two of the most popular toys of all time and like ooh, all this whole time woody was on an alien planet that was similar to earth that buzz Lightyear comes to Ooh, now i want to see like in the Lightyear movie like if there's like you know like recruits that are chilling in like their their base or whatever they have like a v- vhs of uh of woody's roundup and they're like oh, oh that'd be from so home. <laughs> dude how can you imagine how meta that gets like we've got the the series that exists in the real world that exists in this movie that d- is played in the real world or real world of toy story which is a story that we tell dude imagine what? if we're a story in someone else's story right now oh my gosh a real meta moment would be if the company that designs the space suit that's based on, you know, the Buzz Lightyear suit is called, like, Andy Incorporated, and then they slap that name at the bottom of the boot of the suit. <laughs> uh, that's not where I thought you were going with that, but I like that much better. I thought you were going to say the manufacturing people, the people that manufacture the suit are, by and large, like that company that shows up everywhere in all the Pixar movies. Actually... That'd be actually very feasible. Because, I mean, we have to relate it to the Pixar theory somehow. I mean, it's it's within the Toy Story universe. But maybe this, maybe Lightyear is a true story about when humans were a space-faring species and that is no longer the case at the time of Toy Story. And Toy Story comes after WALL-E. I don't know. I, need I, think, to... that, I think that's a massive stretch there. Well, 
I need to review my Pixar theory knowledge. Well, you know, because but... what happened, yeah, because oh. Wally is like at the beginning of the timeline, and then humans die out, and then, you know, I think it's either animals gain sentience in a bug's life or cars gain sentience and like, elect- I think it's cars after Wally because um, robots. It, it's, uh, no, it's not. It's bugs. <laughs> I remember this because the, yes, because then the bugs evolve and inside and that's the car is their protective shell. They're actually bugs. Oh no! <laughs> I remember. No. That. Please stop. Okay, and that tangent should be done. No, we could. Oh, we, we should do a whole episode just like branching the out Pixar the Pixar, theory? branching yeah. out from the Pixar theory, just hot takes about a cold theory. Um, but yeah so the thing is this isn't like new the story within a story thing um and there's been a lot of really good ones um and i really like the concept of story within a story where it's like oh this thing has its this whole lore this whole um i'm using the like narrative in general to drive my own plot without actually giving you this narrative and i think it says a lot about like what we do with stories and it's like oh there's all this like not figurative language, but symbolism and all these things that we utilize to like get a meaning out of our stories. And even our characters get meanings out of stories that aren't quite real. Um, one of my favorite examples, if you can tell by the way I introduced the podcast and my Zoom background, if you are watching uh, on video, if you're listening on audio, um, I have a Zoom background of the fight between um, the the man in, in black from, um, the Princess Bride, and uh, Fezzik. Oh, that's Inigo Montoya, isn't it? Oh, Inigo in Montoya. In the picture. Yes, yeah. it's Inigo, not Fezzik. Fezzik's later. Um, yeah, so this is between the Man in Black and Inigo Montoya. Uh, I should have gotten between, I guess it's not It's not a whole lot of a fight. It's just the Man in Black dodging Fezzik. But um, <laughs> yeah, so the Princess Bride. Um, if you've seen the film, it's not quite as... I, mean, I don't it's know. still definitely a story within a story. Yeah, it's not as quite in your face as like the way that the Princess Bride gets super meta. Uh, but like in the film, you know, you have a little Fred Savage with his grandpa reading the book to him. So the story is you're you're hearing the story, but there's a like it, there's a level of like disconnect where it's like this is actually a story being told to someone, not you know the actual recounting. But if you've read the if you've read the Princess Bride by um, let's see, think- S. Morgan Stern's the fake author. And then and William then Gold is it Goldman or Goldman? I think it, I think it's Goldman. Goldman, William Goldman. So William Goldman, the actual person, wrote the book. And in the book, there is a narrative of fake William Goldman, um, who is uh, an author in his in his universe um, that has a, a wife and a son that he doesn't really like either of them. Um, but like then he decides to connect with his son before he goes on a trip he's like oh i'm gonna give you this book that my grandpa read me when i was a kid this is called the princess bride by or no no it's not called the princess bride in the thing it's like the history of the country within the princess bride florence or whatever it is yeah i, I should get these names right i, I am on a computer um <laughs> country in the princess bride um Florin. Florin. But it's like, um, (laughs) yeah, no, not Florence. But hey, uh, both beautiful places. Uh, Anyway, the book by S. Morgenstern, who's like a historian. um, Yeah, 
the Princess Bride, S. Morgenstern's classic, um, is he gives this book to his son and it's like, all right, I'm going on this trip. Tell me how you thought, what you think of it when I get back. And then he tells, he comes back and his son's like, oh yeah, chapter, chapter one was great. And he's like, what did, why didn't you like it? It was full of adventure and fantasy. I thought this was something you might like. And then he looks at the story and he's like, oh, this is actually a history book that talks about like the economics and the politics and yeah. all like the really mundane stuff about the country. And then his grandpa just picked out the interesting parts. So then the actual story of the Princess Bride that we know about the Man in Black and Inigo Montoya and Fezzik and then um, Princess Buttercup and all of them and all that whole journey they go on is actually what he calls the good parts version. And then the book he actually publishes it within the book that is a, referencing another book within this book all in one book. And it's uh, and the thing is, it's so good because William Goldman holds up the entire time that S. Morgenstern was a real author. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even the book, even the books are sold on shelves in real life as the Princess Bride, Bride, you know, by S. Morgenstern, abridged by William Goldman. And there's even like an intro and in like the 25th anniversary edition is like, yep, this is S. Morgenstern's book, but it's not. It's it's <laughs> such a real. good ruse. It's like the <sighs> the world building to get to the world building is so funny because he has like oh, I have this really bad relationship with my uh, with my wife and kids, and then at the end of the story, he's like, I have a great relationship with my grandkid now. And it's like, <laughs> It's, and like no. it's this whole thing it's it's weird he's telling the story about how he wrote the story that is abridged from another story and it's so interesting about like what it says about like stories we tell and i think it's really cool that i care about all of these stories within a story even though the main story is about you know princess buttercup and um oh my goodness the man in black what is his real name wesley wesley, wesley. um I just could I just couldn't think of anything. I'm just thinking of him falling down the hill, going as you wish. The Dread Pirate Roberts to some. The Dread Pirate Roberts. Um. Have a good night. I might kill you in the morning, or I'll most likely kill you in the morning. Um, if you haven't seen The Princess Bride, that's a it's a, a really good book. Um, uh, but if you aren't if you don't want to read the book, the movie is also very good and tells the the most internal layer of the story of um wesley and princess buttercup but then it's like um if any of you are math people like you've got the parentheses around that and then you have more and more layers of parentheses that just extend but anyway the i guess the point i was trying to get at with talking about the princess bride is um it just kind of shows how far you can go where it's still like a coherent narrative and you still have like things that you're interested in in every single one of these stories. And I think it's, I think it's the most extreme example I can think of, of, you know, story within a story and how like getting meta. It's definitely like my favorite of that kind of meta-ness. And I, I will like, I, my girlfriend just started reading the book and I'm like trying to explain it. And she's like, just let, can I just read this? And I'm like, ah, and I'm like foaming at the mouth because of like how cool I think it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And then this is the only one I can think of, though, that has, like, complete, like, narrative of all of the layers of the story. Because I feel like most of the time, there's, this is a plot device used, whether it's in movies or in books, um, where, like, to hide information, where it's like, I need something to inspire a message, but I don't want to write a whole nother, like, thing. It's like, 
it's like if someone tr wanted to write like a fantasy novel that involved like another language but didn't go the whole like lord of the rings or game of thrones route <laughs> and actually write the entire language so brendan you mentioned the the like you know like math people with parentheses and parentheses um in a similar fashion although not broken up just in like the like the three layer parentheses is the book frankenstein by mary shelley um i'm holding it up to the screen now for you listeners at home i'm um, holding a fancy version i am holding a fancy version and the inside kind of looks like uh like black mold um but yeah um so if you've never read mary shelley's frankenstein and you've only ever seen frankenstein and you know pop culture uh they're totally different uh besides the fact that frankenstein is yellow in the books um <laughs> and not green but um we, i had to read it in one of my classes at my community college i uh, thank you professor johnson for getting me really interested in uh, frankenstein but um it is a similar story within a story in the fact that it opens with the captain of an arctic explorer vessel writing letters to his sister and basically just talking about like hey i miss you like it's been forever like how's the family and then it kind of goes in like like the whole like first chapter is that and then he's like also i have this passenger named like victor frankenstein and like yeah he's here and he's like sick and like coughing but like he wants to tell me the story and then so it instantly jumps from this story about the captain in the arctic to like a story told by his passenger and so then victor tells like the entire story of like how he went to college and how at college he created frankenstein which he's not even a doctor um no i gotta correct I, at least when i read it and everything that i've learned the monster's name is not frankenstein no it's, it's just not. frankenstein's monster okay. it, no no the, yeah i know that's why um how he created they just call it the the creature actually in the yeah. book um and so uh you know, he goes through this whole section. And so it's the whole book from Victor's point of view, um, who's only in like his mid twenties, which I also think is really crazy. He's always shown as like an old man. Um, and then you hit a point where Victor runs into the monster and then the monster tells a story. And then suddenly the story is from the monster's point of view. And it's him telling this entire story. The monster's also has the capacity to learn really fast. Like he learns like a new language really fast. He analyzes, but he just doesn't understand emotion that well. Um, He's also terrifying. He's superhuman strength, superhuman speed, and smart. It's like, he's like a worse Hulk. Um, worse than that, he kills people. Um, and so then it, it kind of goes from this story, you know, Arctic to Victor to monster and like a whole different story. And then it kind of like goes back to it goes from the monster back to Victor. And at the end, it goes from Victor back to the captain. And he's like, oh yeah, like back to talking to my sister about like my travels. And it's just kind of like this really interesting, like, you think it would just start beginning to end a story about Victor, but it's like, no, it's it's three stories in one, really. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty neat. I think like one of my favorite things too is like, there are some stories about the Mary Shelley writing it that basically she was told that a woman couldn't write Gothic literature and like a horror story. And she went, all right, challenge accepted and went on to write Frankenstein and became a very well-known author for her time, especially being a woman. Yeah, no, um, to create, uh, she actually had to like, basically like give the story, like like publish it for free in like newspapers as like an anonymous writer at first to actually get it going, circulating before people would be like, oh, I'm Mary Kelly. Um, 
Oh, I wanted to go into this huge tangent about like why she wrote Frankenstein, but it's really dark and it doesn't actually have to do with story within a story, so I won't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Hope. Yeah. Um, so for anyone watching on YouTube, my background is what is from the seventh Harry Potter movie. Um, uh, when they were uh, settling the story of the three brothers um, and when they met death and got the Deathly Hollows. Um, but so before I go into talking about the story of the three brothers, I would like to honorable mention the story of the Marauders because the fandom, not J.K. Rowling, but the fandom has created like a story within the Harry Potter story, but also like outside of the Harry Potter story. Because um, if you look up like anything about the four Marauders, which is James Potter, Remius Lupin, Sirius Black, and Peter Pettigrew, um, most of the information is not from J.K. Rowling. It's actually made up by fans. Um, and this is courtesy of the Harry Potter Marauders era uh, dream uh, cast, which includes Aaron Taylor Johnson as James Potter, Ben Barnes as Sirius Black, Andrew Garfield as Remus Lupin and Jamie Bell as Peter Pettigrew, um, which I find kind of hilarious that like the fandom just took fan fiction and essentially made it its own story that anybody who's coming into Harry Potter now is like, oh, there's all this information about the Broaders, but they don't realize that it's not from JK Rowling. So they think it's a story within the story. Um, well, a story within the universe. Yeah. Right, because like it's like almost like a prequel series, but because I'd say it's because it's made by the fans, maybe yeah, yeah. But like they also kind of talk about it because with the Marauders map, uh, when Harry gets it in his third year, um, because of the twins, which we all know the twins when they both passed away joined James Sirius and uh, Remus up in the afterlife as part of the Marauders, um, but. Like you have, so you have the map, but then you also have when Snape is talking about James in the sixth one, especially um, when he's trying to get Harry to, or no, not the sixth one, the fifth one, um, where he's trying to get Harry not to like share his memories and stuff with Voldemort um, because you get the stories from Snape's point of view, but you get it of like how the Marauders themselves were bullying Snape essentially um but so like there is a little bit of it within the stories because it gives that like background information and like twist on Snape and everything um but yeah it, it it's more within like the universe itself because of the fans taking it um but in general the tales of Beetle Bard um we have the three brothers which of course Echoes in the story itself, especially towards the end of the books when you start to realize, um, and when we get all of the Deathly Hallows items, the cloak, the wand, and the stone, um, you start to realize that Voldemort, Snape, and Harry end up being the three brothers, and that uh, Dumbledore's death, because he greeted each of them, um, and so it's just, like, this one specifically, like, it's just very much ingrained in the story itself too um like woven in but it's 
it's given its own little story of like, yeah, so there were wizards and they cheated death because he created this river that you couldn't get across without dying. And then they were like, oh, we have magic here. Let's build a bridge. And death was like, okay, I'll give you a prize to essentially devil went down to Georgia them um, <laughs> and try and trick them into dying early, which of course works for two older brothers, but not the youngest. Cause he's like, no, I want your cloak of invisibility. I don't want to, you know, bring back someone I love or be the strongest and be boastful about it like i just want to live my life so oh well you're I'd take a cloak of invisibility over anything else that's so cool you can break into the restricted section and like who doesn't want to break into the restricted section and find a book that screams at you well hermione didn't yeah, want to what? break into the restricted section that's fair yeah. she didn't like breaking rules until about year four I think she liked breaking rules if she could find the loophole in them because she was very clever that way of being like see you said this specifically but you didn't say this and I did that and that's not in that rule so that's what she did more but yeah mm -hmm. no, actually I think the turning point is when she just punches Malfoy in the nose I think that's <laughs> that just breaks that's also one yeah. of the best scenes in all of Harry Potter. <laughs> but <found> no cockroach. <laughs> no, I, but I really love what the tales of Beetle and Bard added to like the lore of the Harry Potter universe. Because like when when you're reading it originally, it's like oh we know Harry's story, but we don't know much about like any kind of like past of like the Wizarding world. Like the the one thing that I know we don't have like a canon answer for yet, but we might get some. We get more clues in. Um, fantastic beasts um is like why the wizards are hiding away from the muggles because there's like kind of hints that like there was a a wizard muggle war that the muggles won yeah um like well, th that's like implied in the, in the american version specifically because you have the salem witch trials um but i know that there were especially when like europeans were transitioning from pagan beliefs to um Catholic and Christianity beliefs. Um, can't remember what the singular God word is. Um, monotheistic. Yes, monotheistic. Thank you. Um, like they are very much anything to do with paganism. You're just like you're dead because that's basically what they did with the Vikings. Um, and I told this to my family at dinner, but I don't think any of them were listening to me when I said it. Uh, <laughs> I started a new show on Netflix called The Last Kingdom. Oh. And like, wow. well, they, they were all busy in their own stuff, but they, uh, it, I always laugh at the fact of like media portraying Vikings as like barbaric and awful, but in actuality, they were like more civilized and way better with like governmental things than Europeans were. Um, no, there, there's, there's a, there's like writings found where like men are complaining because like i would say english men are complaining because their wives prefer the like northern scandinavian men because they say that they like bathe more often and that they're like and that you know like they smell nicer and they're like more but um and so yeah a lot of it was propaganda but yeah so i but well okay one more thing and then we'll go back to this um but the real story within a story within a story yeah. Um, but the other thing about like 
Vikings was that women were often in charge of like the money. And like it was said that if a man cheated on his wife, like the women could basically make it so they couldn't have the guys couldn't reproduce anymore. Um, because you know, they were like, hey, you're equal to us. Like they had um shield maidens and everything, like women went and fought in the battles. Um, but so European beliefs, and this is going back to like why wizards and witches would have had to hide, especially in like Europe versus America. Um, because if they were thought to have pagan beliefs, it was like, oh, we're gonna have a war on you. Um, so that's probably the war that you're you were referencing, Brendan, that we don't actually fully know about because mm -hmm. it's not said. We just know the American version more because we know more about the Salem witch trials as Americans. But yeah, I think I think in most like beings with heightened powers over humans that are kind of subjugated by humans i think like the the default explanation is like sure one-on-one -on -one you're more powerful but humans have strength in numbers and there's humans just have guns humans also have do have guns that's the one thing that i never got about like why couldn't they just kill voldemort by shooting him oh muggle weapons <laughs> muggle weapons um dang but that's like the uh, fan fictions now are like for like fan theories of like muggle children uh muggle-borns bringing sneaking in pens and like pencils and having a black market for these types of things we, instead of using quills to write and like tutoring them in like math and science instead of potions yep and defense against the dark arts <laughs> this is trigonometry um <laughs> Oh, wait, is, do you think that's what Hermione's muggle studies class was, was just like gen ed high school curriculum? <laughs> I think in part. I, well, I, think but... I, was, I think it's like them talking about muggles themselves. In which case, yeah. why didn't Harry take that class and ace it 100%? Because it's oh, Harry man. Potter. He wants nothing to do Maybe... with muggles because of his family. Although my guess is it, it might have been kind of more like when uh, in Avatar Lair's Airbender, when Aang goes to the Fire Nation as a student and they're like, now, in this year, the Fire Nation destroyed the Air Nation army. And then they were like, the Air Nation didn't have an army. They're monks. <laughs> and he's like, how would you know? Oh. Although I'm sure the Muggle Studies class, I'm sure there are plenty of Muggle-born students that, like, could correct anything like that. Based on some of the games, I think, like, Muggle Studies was more, like, events that happened in Muggle history versus, like wizard history and stuff and like oh here's a rubber duck we still don't know what the function of a rubber duck is but that's a good joke i love that one um or do you think they went like all right um you know how we have a currency system that makes no sense um uh yeah the seven canucks equals um or equals a sickle and like five how many sickles equals a galleon yeah I think it's yeah. like five cycles. And they're like, yeah, they do this weird system in base 10. Oh. Um, or, yeah, they have this thing called Keynesian economics. Um, <laughs> just things like that. But also, like, with, uh, going, sorry, going back to Tales of the Beetle the Bard, it's not just the story of the three brothers, but there's all these, yeah. like, other, like, children's stories that the book actually got published. And it did got, I have it back home. And I'm like, okay, that's really funny. Because it starts off with just adding this lore to like the Harry Potter series about like the history of the Wizarding World, the the um, kind of the, the deeper powers 
that kind of like run through magic like with the three the the three hallows um because have you heard the theory that like there were uh either precursors or attempts to recreate all of the hallows and we see them throughout the seven books yes. and it's the mirror of erised is the wand uh because yeah. it can show you what you want but cannot give it to you um the veil in the department of mysteries is the stone mm -hmm. because it can take you to the other side but it can't bring you back yeah. um it, i can't bring people back and then um the pensive oh yeah, yeah that was the last one yeah is for the invisibility cloak it, you can go revisit your memories and move around and interact and be there without actually being there but you can't do it in the present time yeah so i thought that that was pretty cool and it kind of gave more meaning to those objects that originally were just like oh this is kind of like a plot device and it's like no they kind of exist in the universe for a reason and even some well, of the other stories um kind of add to the idea of like this is what wizard children learned about and these are the lessons important to the wizarding world what was it hibbity bibbity and her cackling stump yeah yeah well and like my other thing is it creates an order for the magic too like magic isn't the highest power because death's items are still stronger than magic items like even the philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone whichever you want to call it um with nicholas flamel like you know that i mean granted you have the uh wand that harry just goes snap toss and it's gone um but like the idea that death can just create these items for the brothers um is a superseding magic and is stronger than wizarding magic so wizards can't just live forever um as much as like the old tales of merlin suggest or you know what they were trying to do with in the three brothers but i also would like to point out the fact that like ron when hermione is given the book in the series and Ron was like, oh, I know that. Mom read it to us like every night when we were kids. He's like, didn't you guys read it? And I, I had this thought earlier and I was like, no, Ron, they learned muggle fairy tales. They did not learn wizarding yeah, fairy tales. Uh, check, <laughs> check your ignorance, Ron. <laughs> yeah, Ron, you were our fairy tales. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> they learned about werewolves and witches and yeah. Things that actually exist in the wizarding world. I, I have a theory that the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen and oh my gosh, who was the other one? Um, were all wizards in their that own right. That were cast out from the wizarding world for telling the muggles. Yeah. They do, they, they do mention like some characters that were like wizards, which I think is pretty cool lore. I remember I looked up to see if Shakespeare was, but it's like Shakespeare was a muggle, like officially in the, the world. But it's like some wizards still like appreciated his work. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And it's cool lore building. Um, and I think that's kind of the function of this story within a story. Um, and I think Lightyear is just kind of like continuing that narrative of like, oh yeah, this this add this builds to the world that we've already created in also creating another world and kind of adds that level of depth. Um, one one story within a story that I thought was really funny. Um, have either of you seen? Have you read or seen The Fault in Our Stars by John Green? Yes. So you know the the book in th that Hazel reads in um yeah. in the fault in our stars what's it called um it's an imperial affliction yeah an, an imperial affliction yeah. by mm -hmm. peter peter van houten and that's like not a real book but um 
I remember John Green wrote like for the film had to write like seven pages of like random stuff and like they just reprinted the pages the same like seven pages into like a book that Hazel could read that you know Shailene Woodley could read as Hazel in the movie um and then there are copies of that seven pages as a book um floating around because uh in one of their charity events the green for the project for us and the green brothers printed a couple out and gave them to people that donated to the uh, charitable foundations and so i thought that was really cool it started off just as like this oh plot device need this uh for hazel's character development or i guess john green doesn't really do plot but like yeah um and then it turned into this like mini story that now people are like searching for and trying to figure out like what it says I just thought that was really funny because it's it's posthumous world building. It's like, oh, I mentioned this little thing, and now I need to elaborate. Yeah, I mean that's all J.K. Rowling does is posthumous world building. I guess, good point. Same yeah. with uh, oh, this the, one. yeah, the other major culprit is George Lucas. Yeah, posthumous world building. Except I can't think of. I tried that's to think of this in. Star Wars. There isn't anything in Star Wars except maybe the Jedi texts that, like, I don't know, like, there, there aren't, like, books um, in the Star Wars universe. Or Okay, there's not story stories, but, uh, I mean, there's, like, the Temple of the Wills that they mentioned in, they mentioned in a, uh, what is it, uh, Rogue One. It's uh, George Lucas like originally created all of Star Wars as if it was a story being retold by R2-D2 to these people that are like the priests of the wills and it's spelled with a, there's an H in there. And it's kind of like, that's why R2-D2 is like there in every movie. It's because he's like the story keeper. He has the story. And that was like George Lucas's original vision. Um, and then- uh, so Isn't yeah, the priests of like the wills, don't they show up in season six of Clone Wars in that episode with Yoda? Isn't that it? Is that it? Are those the people that show him uh, how to be a force ghost? Yes. Hold on. Let me double check. Let me... I, I don't know. Um, other, like, Wills. mini, like, stories within a story that I, I do like, though, is, um, it's not even a story within a story, but, like, the song Monster Mash, we don't know what the actual Monster Mash, Mash dance is, because they don't describe the dance, but they do do the dance, the Monster Mash. That is not the song, the Monster Mash. Yeah, Monster Mash is just talking about the party, in which case the aforementioned song title was done. <laughs> um, Dracula and his son. I just know that they're um, there. There's other songs um, yeah, that do that Yeah, the Shaman of the, of the Wills. Yes. The in, Shaman of the Wills are the ones that taught Qui-Gon Jinn how to be a Force Ghost, and later he taught Yoda how to be a Force Ghost. So, um... Look at that. It's all connected. It's all coming together. Um, then there's Jar-Jar also like the key. Jar Jar, Darth Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> but then there's also like songs that like talk about other songs. Um, what is it? Uh, the One Direction song, best song ever. Breck. We danced all night to the best song ever. Oh. And we don't know what the best song ever is, but it's not like. One Direction is the only is the only group that can claim that they have the best song ever and literally mean they have the best song ever um i'm sure there's other people that like have called their song best song ever i don't think so but i know that song from spongebob the best day ever (laughs) but it's not the best song ever (laughs) 
One sec. Best song ever. Okay. Uh, um, I was going to mention Breakfast at Tiffany's, the song that talks about the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yes. Um, that as well, that, that weird level of meta. Songs are a really actually good place for that like meta, you know, where it's like, oh, we, we're doing this thing and watching this thing that references this other thing that either doesn't exist or like I'm supposed to be like a part of and I'm within that world. So, absolutely. So overall, I feel like story within a story is a really fun, it's a really fun way to like get deeper into the lore of a world. Oh, I just thought of another one. And it's it's not like movie or anything, but uh, Wicked. Wicked is technically a story within a story. And I'm talking about the musical because I didn't ever finish the book. Um, Sorry to my sister, but she doesn't watch this, so it doesn't matter. Um, But because at the beginning of the musical, they're like, the witch is dead. She's dead, you know, the wicked witch is dead. Um, And they're like, Linda, how did you know her? And she goes into talking about how they met and how, and it progresses to Alphaba's death. Um, and and then like back to Glinda telling the people of um, their world. Yeah. Um, that like, oh yeah, this is how we knew each other and she's dead now, so yay. And then you, and then also like going off of that too, like the end of Wicked, you know, you have two of their characters going off. I'm not going to say which, for if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Um, but Gregory Maguire actually wrote a series, too, of, like, Alphaba's son and everything, and Son of a Witch, and there were a couple others, too, that were, like, based off of, kind of like, stories within the stories more in continuation of the stories. But I just remembered that Wicked musical specifically is, you know, like Princess Di- or Princess Diaries, the princess bride mm-hmm. um where you know someone is telling the story and then we get put into the story mm-hmm. and um i know i mentioned this in our in our group chat earlier but in the newest eternals trailer they're talking about icarus um and the kid's like oh that's he's like superman he had he was shooting lasers out of his eyes i'm like okay so dc comics exist in the mcu which is really funny but then if you watch the cw shows specifically the flash cisco like mentions marvel a lot so mm-hmm. like in their respective like popular media universes, the other comic franchises exist, but not the like ones that they're representing. And I think that's really, really funny. And I'd love to see like, I know that it's just a throwaway line. And I think that's also kind of like fun world building. It's like, oh, it has this like thing in common with our world that kind of mirrors the story that they're telling. And that's really cool. But I'd love to see a little more exploration of like, oh, how do, what do the Marvel heroes think about the DC heroes in the comic books? Um. Also, this was mostly explored in Agent Carter, um, but it was also mentioned in uh, The Avengers because Phil Coulson had the trading cards for Captain America. But in um, Agent Carter, you get the um, radio show that was Captain America at the time of like fight, him fighting Nazis and everything with the very girly and damsel in distress Peggy Carter. Um, but... So there's also, so like you talk about having the, um, like DC and Marvel having the opposite people, you know, the other people's comics in there as it, but like 
Captain America technically has his own comics within the Marvel Universe. Because oh, and, yeah, uh, he does. <laughs> if you played Square Enix's Avengers game, like one of the things is collecting comics of the heroes that you're playing as. Um, it's like of the collectibles. But um, then I'm thinking like, are we getting into like the boys level, like comic book meta analysis of like, <laughs> oh, they not only are heroes, but they also are like pop stars and are in their own movies and comic books and write their own stories. And those stories are actually based off their lives. So that's another level of meta where it's like, okay, we have this thing that w- wouldn't be the same if it actually existed. Like if like tomorrow, you know, some, some if tomorrow Elon Musk like came on and was like, I am Iron Man and like, or had something like that, had his own like, or like I am SpaceX man or anything like that. And all of a sudden we had like the blossoming of superheroes and supervillain battles and everyone's insurance rates, you know, rose really yeah. high. Yeah. yeah. Um, then that would change what comic books mean because, or at least superhero comic books, because uh, now that exists in real life and that has to mirror that. And that, I feel like that's a really weird like meta analysis. I feel it could go in depth talking about comics within comics. So. Okay. Now I have a really quick question. Hannah Montana. Is it a story within a story? I feel like it's a, that's a weird gray area seeing as her name. So if, since she's Miley Stewart and not Miley Cyrus, I feel like it's, it's that's just parallelism. Um, I'm just talking the show, like not real world, just going with the show itself. A story it is- within a story. No, because that shouldn't, I wouldn't say because that story is about having the dual identity, not about, because I could. They do have the Hannah Montana stories that are, you know, the gossip because she's a celebrity within the universe that. Hannah and Miley are technically not part of or like creating themselves. It's media creating the stories. Yeah, but that's just like real life too. Yeah, Interesting. But anyway, uh, as always here on Raving Geeks, we'd like to end with some recommendations for our viewers, whether that be movies, video games, comics, or anything else geeky. Either of you got anything that you are dying to recommend to our viewers? Yeah. Um... <clears throat> I have a few things. Uh, one, of course, is uh, the entire Lord of the Rings uh, book series and The Hobbit, because technically that's a story within a story. Um, it's all in the Red Book of Westmarch. Read about it. Um, <clears throat> that'd be a whole two-hour episode just me talking about that. Um, I just finished Squid Game. That was really good. I think people you should enjoy that. that. Um, We're going to talk about this once I we're also, done recording. I just finished it, yep. <laughs> <laughs> And then I just, uh, I j- my girlfriend and I just started uh, Only Murders in the Building, which is like the drama comedy murder show uh, with uh, Steve Martin, uh, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And it is really good. And it's, it's very like true crime, create, uh, you know, aspect of it. And it was created by Tina Fey. And uh, it's just good. I recommend it. Uh, my recommendation is The King on Netflix. It's a film. It is rated R, not for like the sex or anything, but more for the fact that there is a literal scene where you literally watch a guy's head get chopped off into blood. And yeah, so it's gore that way. Um, but it's uh, Timothy Chalamet, who like I just found out is older than me. He's 25 born in December of 1995 and I'm like I thought you were 21 he's older and it's weird to think about it 
Um, but so the movie is the king. Is, so Nef- or Netflix, what, words, Wikipedia describes it as an epic war film, um, but it's actually based on several plays uh, from William Shakespeare's Henriad, uh, which I found really interesting that they used plays from him, which like, I mean, it's William Shakespeare who doesn't use something of his at this point, um, which could also be an episode of us debating about whether William Shakespeare actually wrote all of his stuff or not. Um, but so it also has Sean Harris and Lily Rose Depp. Um, Robert Pattinson is in it. And Robert Pattinson plays the French prince and he has this French accent that his voice goes higher pitched and it's weird, but also comical which it's supposed to be, um, but- Oh, he's, uh, he's supposed to talk, he's not supposed to talk like uh, this or no? He does talk like that, but it's a little bit higher pitched than that. <laughs> oh, he does not talk like this or no? Yeah. Like this, <laughs> peut-être? No, je sais um, pas. <laughs> but I thought it was really good. And like, Timothy Chamelet, like his character goes from being like essentially the playboy um, of his era to having to be king in a matter of, a few days essentially the movie makes it um so most french princes no uh he timothy chamelet is the english prince and it's actually that his father uh king richard had told him that his brother was actually uh, prince thomas was going to be the next king instead of him uh even though he was the oldest because his brother was actually like paying attention to what was happening in the politics and stuff and um, being a good little son, like they should be. But um, obviously things happen and Timothy Chamelet's character, Hal becomes King of England, but it was really good. And like his acting skills for the most part, he's just having like sit there and be serious. And like, there are some actors that do that and they just look bored but he actually looked like invested, but still like the seriousness of it. And I was really impressed with how well he acted in that movie. So that's my recommendation. Nice. Yeah, uh, so I recommend if you have not watched it already, uh, watching um, the show Big Mouth uh, season five comes out um, next week. So I I might rewatch it just to, you know, catch up and make sure I remember where they're at. Um, I also, um, if you're a big fan, a big fan of Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super, the original Dragon Ball show, which I didn't know like was available in the United States, is on Hulu. Um, so that is oh. something that, um, yeah, uh, it it is dated a little bit, um, but uh, also um, I don't think it's a show. But if you are also interested in Dragon Ball, the Akira Toriyama's other work, uh, Doctor Slump, is also something that's worth looking into. Um, especially if you saw that episode of Dragon Ball Super that had the main character of that, who is not Dr. Slump, but her name is Arale, uh, show up in that episode. Um, but yeah, that's the, I was also going to recommend Squid Game. So that has been, I know a lot of you, almost everyone has seen it, but I highly recommend, even if you don't think it's your thing, um, it's really, really good. And it's a really, really good uh, like subplot beyond like the, the original, like the, the what you think is the main plot. Um, so yeah. I will. I will say, I'm, I don't plan on watching it personally, but uh, for those of you who are thinking about it, it is either have to do subtitles or listen to the English dub. So I did both. Wait, why don't you want to watch it, Hope? <laughs> um, the fact of a doll that shoots you and it's a giant oh. doll, I'm not a fan of that. Like The doll doesn't shoot you. The doll doesn't shoot you. 
the doll is still creepy, and I don't do creepy dolls. That's it's not a doll. It's a statue. (laughs) Of a doll. doll. (laughs) And also, it's in one episode for like 10 minutes. And like, it's not the point of the show. You need to watch the show. I'm also not good. So like, because I'm so ADHD, if I have subtitles on or like captions, even if it's an English show, I'll be reading the captions and focused on that more than like what's actually happening. And like, I'll miss stuff on the screen. I'm not a person who can do that. And then I get really annoyed with the whole, your mouth is doing one thing, but it's not matching the words that are coming out of the speakers. Um, so like, that's my other thing. I really only watch, have watched a few foreign productions. One of them was, uh, it was called The Bicycle Thief, uh, which was an Italian film. Um, and it's an older film. It's in black and white. And that one I had to watch for a film class. And like, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I was still like kind of frustrated just me not being able to focus on everything that I can usually focus on with American English movies. So, well, I don't look at people's faces when I watch things anyway, so it doesn't bug me. Um, that which sucks because unless they wear really distinct clothing, which they don't in Squid Game, that means because I don't look at facial features, it takes me a long time to distinguish who's who. But luckily, they have numbers on there, so it, t- it only took me memorizing the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the numbers but, whittle down too. <laughs> but yeah, w- once there were no longer 400 numbers and only like 50. <laughs> It got a lot easier. But anyway, that's all we have for y'all today. Thank you all for joining us here on Raving Geeks. Uh, make sure you leave a comment wherever you're listening from. We love uh, to hear what you all thought from today's episode. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok at Raving Geeks. And as always, I've been Brendan Valentine alongside my fellow co-hosts. Hope good girl. And I am the monster of Isaac Hunt. <laughs> Stay geeky and have a great week, everyone. Good night. Or good morning. Good day. Good day, Mike.